Hello, Captains. At the start of every show, you'll usually hear us ask for a donation to help financially support this podcast. Well, now we have some extra goodies to give you in return. That's right. Are you a fan of Priority One Podcasts? What about Star Trek? I bet you're a fan of Star Trek Online, too. For a limited time, you have the opportunity to get your hands on some ultra-rare Star Trek Online swag by supporting Priority One Podcast. And we're not talking in-game gear here, Captains. The team at Cryptic Studios graciously opened their closet and pulled out some amazing and unique swag, like Star Trek Online posters, copies of Star Trek Online signed by the entire development team at Cryptic, t-shirts, and much more. And you can get your hands on these items by supporting Priority One Podcast's Star Trek Las Vegas Indiegogo campaign. Help us bring you the latest from the 2014 Star Trek Las Vegas convention, the mecca of all Star Trek conventions. Without your support, we just can't do it alone. We'll tweet pictures, interview guests, and bring you up-to-the-minute coverage of the convention events, especially the Star Trek Online Developer Panel. With your help, we can bring you those exclusive STO reveals at Star Trek Las Vegas 2014. Captains, these aren't items you'll easily find on eBay or conventions. How else can you get your hands on an official Star Trek online poster signed by the entire development team? Grab a piece of Star Trek history while supporting this podcast. Visit PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash campaign to find out how. Or you can search for Priority One Podcast on Indiegogo.com. And as always, Captains, without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Bandwidth for Priority One Podcast is brought to you by Playa Escondida. Ever dreamed of visiting Planet Risa? Well, Playa Escondida is the ultimate beach resort excursion. Visit PlayaEscondida.com to book your ultimate vacation getaway. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 179 of Priority One Podcast, the premiere Star Trek online podcast, recorded Thursday, June 19th, 2014, live on trekradio.net and available for download or streaming as of Monday morning, June 23rd, 2014 at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Cookie. And I'm Jace. And in the recording booth is our audio engineer, Skiffy. Hello. All right, Cookie. Tell us what we have in store this week. Captains, we trek out a webcomic that's been around for some time, but may have slipped under your trek radar with its creator, Mark Farinas. In STO News, D'Angelo announces Season 9.5 will arrive in late July with Season 9 Devblog number 24, and the crafting updates continue with a role-playing letter 
from Commander Jenna Romain of Memory Alpha and a quick introduction to some of the changes from STO designer Jesse Heinig. But to really answer our questions about the coming crafting update is STO's lead designer, Al Captain Gecko Rivera. With an Al Rivera interview, we'll forego the community spotlight this week and open hailing frequencies to see what's incoming from you, our listeners. Captains, we've got a new in-development blog up by Adorpheus. It's the first part of a two-part video on Andorian makeup. Learn how she and the rest of our in-development correspondents transform from mere pink skins to Andorian warriors. Check out this blog and others only on PriorityOnePodcast.com. We invite you to keep an eye on our social media platforms like Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast or on Twitter at STO Priority One. Before we move on with the show, I want to take a moment and thank our sponsor, Cosplay Sky. Captains, if you've been thinking about purchasing a Starfleet uniform for that upcoming convention like Star Trek Las Vegas or Dragon Con, or the New York City Comic Con, or a friend's costume party, or Halloween? Well, make Cosplay Sky your go-to tailor for all things Star Trek and more, much more. They even have a selection of Star Trek Online uniforms available. When I was at the 2013 Star Trek Las Vegas convention, I saw in person the quality of the products that they produce, and it was impressive. So, Captains, visit PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash CosplaySky and check out their entire selection. The best part is how reasonably priced they are. So visit PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash CosplaySky and we thank CosplaySky for their support of Priority One Podcast. Well, Captains, let's check out a series of webcomics with Star Trek Comics creator Mark Farinas. I don't know. Then let's check it out. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Mark Farinas, the creator of a Star Trek comic series that you'll find at trekcomic.com. Mr. Farinas, thank you very much for joining me this episode. Hi, Elijah. Thanks for having me. First, a little bit about yourself. What's your background? Well, I'm, uh, I have a background in fine arts. Uh, I have a degree in fine arts from the University of Florida. So, uh, I, you know, I mostly work in illustration and animation. Now, what inspired you to start this Trek comic series? Well, it's a little bit of a long story. You know, I'd always wanted to do an animated series, and I had had an idea for a while, and I wrote a couple of scripts about seven years ago and just kind of put them away. And I thought, well, you know, one day I went looking, and I saw that, you know, there's Trek News, and there's TrekMovie.com, and there's TrekBBS.com. Nobody owned TrekComic.com, which was shocking to me. So I thought, maybe it's time to just do this as a hobby, as a -a once-a-week thing just get some of these scripts and draw them and put them up. And they're amazing scripts, and your art is absolutely stunning. It's gorgeous art by far. It's evolved. I think uh, when I started out, I was just trying to get it out quickly, and uh, you'll probably see that, and things are very angular and toned down at the beginning. It gets a little more involved later on. You know, I'm not afraid to just kind of change things, change the style of the balloons, change the style of the characters go off model if I think, you know, I have a better idea about something halfway through. Now, with the style of your art, why that direction for the illustrations? Uh, I just always loved that style, and I always thought if I could do a science fiction comic, it should definitely look like that. I mean, I don't really like the substance of a lot of the old pulp comics, but there's no doubt that the art is fantastic. 
you know, the art supersedes the plots by miles in any of the 1950s and 60s DC Marvel or uh, even Gold Key stuff. Talk to us a little bit about your passion for Star Trek and what is it about Star Trek that inspires you to create uh, this type of project? You know, it's changed a lot over the years. Um, when I was a kid, it was just fun stuff to watch. When I was a teenager, I kind of had it in my head that there was a social message there that is there, but most decent science fiction has something like that. So then when I got older, oddly enough, I got back into like the visuals of it, the way that it looked always pleased me. It still captivates me. It takes up a lot of room in my brain for some reason. In your about page, you talk about being a an original series textualist. Talk to us a little bit about that. What is it about the TOS series that is so foundational for you? Is it just because it's the first? It could be. I mean, that's what I grew up with. I mean, Next Gen came out when I was eight, so I kind of grew up with that too. But the original series is the most stylistic looking. When you look at the colors and the lighting and the rawness of the sets and the props, and, you know, some of the dirtiness of the universe, the fact that the universe is kind of half dead by the time these guys get to it. A lot of the time, you know, a lot of ancient stuff, a lot of lore that is not really talked about too much, which is good, you know, just hinted at. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of thing I like as opposed to the kind of sanitariness of Next Gen. Uh, while I still like it, it is kind of sanitary. It's kind of a little too preachy at times and too technological, techno babbly. (laughs) The dilithium crystals are broken, not the Heisenberg compensator has gone out and we need to reroute the flux capacitors through the plasma inducer thingy. Just all that trechno babble is really what it boils down to. Yeah, which then got really bad in Voyager where I don't think they ever used a single system on the ship for what it was intended to before, yeah, right? Probably not, probably they not. They were always shooting phasers out the food processors or something. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because one thing I appreciated about the comic was your dedication not only to the lore, to the history, but also just to the vocabulary. You know, we're talking about the Trechnobabble, but you used terms like sublight speeds and time warp factor three, you know? These terms were used in the original series, but yeah, no, not in TNG, not in Voyager. It was, you know, warp or impulse and things of that nature. It was a great nod in your commitment to the original series terms and style is just so apparent and just so refreshingly great. Yeah, I mean, Time War Factor, I don't even think that was used since The Cage. That was in The Cage. That's like, yeah, I kind of looked at that when I was thinking about, well, how are these people 100 years before that? Mm -hmm. Which probably is still not, I mean, they would have had their own terminology, I'm sure, but you've got to have some grounding, I guess. Now, let's talk a little bit about that story. You tell the story of Captain Kyle Madison on the USS Stalwart. What was the inspiration for this story and this arc? I think when I, you know, that's that's such a, a tough thing because it was seven years ago and I can't really remember what the thought process was except that I wanted to do something where somebody wants to do something right and maybe it's successful, but it's for the wrong reasons. You know, the kind of thing where you, you tell a story about an alien people and you, you're trying to relate to them in a human way, and they don't give you the reaction that you expect. And I don't know how spoilery I should be about that, but, you know, the Romulans are a very different kind of people, I think, especially when you haven't never even seen them. 
And what kind of miscommunication can you have with them, with your intentions? And that was an excellent plot twist. You know, I encourage our listeners to certainly trek out the comic because, like I said, it's a page turner and it's trekcomic.com. Now, this is not your first project in Star Trek animation and expressing your fandom for it. In 2009, you actually did a bit of a viral video. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? That was, uh, yeah, the Klingon propaganda actually went off better than I ever expected it to. And that was something that was also a side project. I worked on it maybe a few hours a week. It took about a year to complete. And um, that was all part of, uh, you know, like I said, I had these scripts and I thought, how could I possibly get people maybe interested in Star Trek as an animated form? So my wife is Turkish and she used to play this song about little birds to our two-year-old daughter. I thought it was the most militaristic sounding thing I'd ever heard in my life. It was kind of sweet, but at the same time, a little bit (laughs) sinister. And every time I heard it, I could imagine these, you know, planes flying overhead and sweeping vistas and tanks coming over hills and things like that. So I started thinking, well, wouldn't this be interesting to put along with, you know, like Klingons? And I never really liked the Viking Klingons, that whole kind of honor and beating each other over the skull. So I Ottomanized them. And so that song that's in the background is that song that we used to play to the kid, which is about little birds tweeting in a meadow. And over it is kind of, you know, that kind of Russian constructivist imagery you know, instead of planes, they're D7s and things like that. And they speak Turkish in a few parts uh, and they drink tea. <laughs> <laughs> it really is a great video. It was a pleasant find as I was researching for the interview today. Actually, before we started recording, you told me an interesting story about that video. Yeah, um, because I hadn't put it out with any uh, kind of clue as to who had made it, and it was completely in Klingon. A lot of people thought that it was an ad for Star Trek Online. It was about a split between people guessing that it was Star Trek Online and something for the new Star Trek movie, Star Trek II, Into Darkness, as it was later called. That is so funny and amazingly epic, too. I mean, there's actually a denial somewhere out there. I think it's on Joystick. There's an article on Joystick where uh, the Star Trek Online people deny that they made it. (laughs) And, of course, uh, we'll have links in our show notes to that video so that if you haven't had the opportunity of uh, watching the Klingon propaganda video, uh, you'll have the opportunity to do so on YouTube. So what's on the horizon, Mark? In addition to the comics, is there any other Trek project that you're trying to see off the ground? Right now, it's just to go through the two written scripts. So the one that's currently going is one that was actually written at the time. Then there's probably about six or seven ideas that I could flesh out. Uh, You know, it could take years to complete them all if I want to stick with it that long. Uh, I have a friend who's very interested in filming No Good Deed, which is the first serial, as a live action. Uh, We wouldn't necessarily do it as Star Trek because we would want to run it around the film circuit, the short film circuit. But um, yeah, expect probably a Kickstarter sometime within the next year wanting to film that. We've actually taken a look at the USS Hornet, which is across the bay in Alameda, uh, (laughs) all docked up. And, uh, you know, looking to see if those would be, uh, you know, that aircraft carrier would be a good set. Oh, that's fascinating. And an interesting story to tell that way, too. I mean, that's another great thing about this plot is that, you know, it doesn't have to be about Star Trek. It could be it's a story about war. 
You know, it's a story about war that just so happens to be set in the Star Trek universe. You know, that's another thing that I forgot about earlier was that, yeah, it's an anti-war story. The battles are really boring, I think. Not much happens. You think they're going to have a big fight and they turn around and run. When I wrote it, it was the end of the George Bush era. That's what was on my mind a lot also. It was just a really uh, an anti-war story in the same way that Jarhead is an actual anti-war story as opposed to war porn. Right, right. Which is what a lot of so-called anti-war movies can turn out to be. Now, you mentioned that these serial comics are a labor of love and that your goal, and hopefully, is to have something out once a week. How can fans of the comic support it, keep an eye on it, and make sure that we can see more stories coming? Well, you know, the more interest that's in it, the more likely I am to continue it. And I do have, actually, a rather good fan base. There's about 100 people on Facebook right now, and I get about... Let's see, there was an article written the other day. I have about 500 people coming to the site daily. I don't know if those are repeat viewers or new viewers. So the more people read, the more people share it, the more it gets out there, the more likely it is that I'm going to continue it. And of course, the more people who are fans, the more people can contribute to making it something that is live action in the future. And now how can people follow your art, the project? Uh, What's the best way to just keep up to date with uh, the latest comic? Uh, The RSS feed is very accessible uh, on the site. Uh, There's also the Facebook page. I also have a Twitter feed. Twitter, you're probably going to get the fastest updates as well as RSS. Facebook tends to only display what it feels like displaying in your feed. So that's also a good way to see it. Uh, I'm hoping to put up some concept art soon, sketches and things like that, that led to the comic. Uh, You can also find me at mark2000.com, which I don't update very often. That's got some non-Star Trek art in it. I also write um, kind of uh, feminist articles at feminist.net, F-E-M-A-N-I-S-T.net. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, Mark, I want to thank you again for spending some time to talk about TrekComic.com, about the story, about your inspiration for it, about your Trekdom, and about the projects that you're involved with. And we look forward to seeing more and more comics come out at TrekComic.com. It was a really a pleasure and an honor to talk to you, Elisha, and thank you very much for uh, thinking of me. Our pleasure, our pleasure. Discover something that you think the rest of our listeners would enjoy hearing about? Send them over to us via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Let's check out what happened in STO News. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. The great content drought of 2014 has ended. (laughs) If you were tired of sandy beaches, bikinis, hoverboards, and jetpacks, well, your wait for content is over. In Season 9, Death Blog number 24, Star Trek Online executive producer Steven D'Angelo teases players with the upcoming changes to Star Trek Online with Season 9.5, due to go live in late July. What's coming, you ask? Crafting! That's right, Captains. Crafting is being given a complete overhaul with the introduction of multiple schools, new user interfaces, and new abilities for crafting gear that you can't find in drop loot. Additionally, it seems duty officers will play a pretty decent role here, and a facelift to the DOF UI was also developed. Now, we will get more into detail about this whole crafting overhaul and what it means to Star Trek Online in just a little bit, but in the meantime, let's move on to the next Def Blog, Cookie. 
In season nine, dev blog number 25, Admiral Quinn received a subspace communique from Commander Romain from Memory Alpha regarding the suggested updates to research and development, AKA crafting. After congratulating him on the swift success of the ESD rebuild, she points out the vulnerable position Starfleet was in and how important it is to stay alert to the chance the Undine could still be secretly among us. Commander Egan and Dr. Cooper were involved with almost every area of Starfleet research and development, and now the Undine know what they know. Fortunately, Commander Romaine and her teams have been working on a completely new system for research and development. With new technology and advancements, the Undine have never seen before. She also proposes that we share some of these advancements with the Romulan Republic and the Klingon Empire, working together to move forward. This is a, an interesting little tie-in from story to the changes coming to crafting. So I, I appreciate it. It was a good letter. Yeah, I like the backstory that they provided, and I like how they want everyone to get along. And they're working together. So what does this mean? Not much information has been released, except actually for uh, something from Jesse Heineck. Jace. In a separate blog outside of the dev blog series, we have information on the research and development materials. So the raw materials used for crafting are going to totally change. Uh, they're still going to fall into three categories, gases, metals, and particles. They come in different qualities, just like regular items. So you might have common, uncommon, rare metals. You might have a very rare gas. Particles don't come in a common quality, but other than that, materials will generally follow the same scale as items do. You can still find raw materials in missions throughout the game using the waveform scanner anomaly hunt. Uh, the minigame. There's DOF assignments still that used to award the old type of materials that now will award the new. And they are going to have research and development packs on the C store that will give you an assortment of crafting materials. But as always, everything can be found in game. And the old anomalies that you have won't disappear. You'll be able to exchange them for new R&D materials which seems pretty favorable so far. I did it on Tribble today. It was fairly tedious because I think the UI for conversion is pretty much just a mock-up for now, very much a work in progress. But I was able to get tons of stacks of the common and uncommons and an assortment of uh, rare materials to at least jumpstart the process with what I already had banked on my main character alone. And you mentioned an important thing. At about two hours before we started recording on Thursday night, June 19th, the first iteration of the changes to crafting has hit Tribble. So captains, if you want to jumpstart your experiences with the new crafting system, be sure to update and patch Tribble on your computer. And I encourage anyone who's interested to get on Tribble and test this out. We do not frequently get access to systems like this in this earliest stage. They explicitly called this an alpha test. We usually get stuff at the beta stage or when they really just want to stress test it with more players playing it in a short amount of time. So this is a work in progress. They're looking to find bugs and get feedback. So now is the time. From now until Thursday, July 10th, they're reducing the price of the lifetime membership from $300 to $200. So that is like a huge deal. And if you don't already have a lifetime membership, now would be a good time to get one. And don't forget that if you purchase the lifetime membership, you have instant access to the veteran rewards that are available to you. Things like, let's see, what's the big one? The big one is the Thousand Day, and the Thousand Day gives you the Chimera, the Pegu, or the Danos Heavy Destroyer. 
they're great rewards. And captains, I've said this from the beginning of whether or not, you know, free to play was worth it, whatnot, blah, blah, blah. If you do not yet have a lifetime subscription to the game, you should not be paying monthly. That's number one. You should be free to play. Or two, take advantage of this $100 off and get your monthly zen, get these rewards, get all of this stuff. So don't be paying 15 bucks a month subscribing to Star Trek Online. Get yourself a lifetime. Before Legacy of Romulus, uh, I had calculated the value of owning a lifetime subscription in Stowe and listed literally everything you get. Now, this is when there were only two factions, so that value has increased since we have Romulans now because you get a you know, a third thousand day ship and a third all this stuff. But I just posted a link in the Trek radio chat for anybody interested. It just, it's kind of, uh, it's a lot of math, but it's kind of cool to see how much you actually get. Oh, I like that. Ultimately, you know, to invest in a lifetime subscription is certainly worth it over paying $15 a month for the game. I mean, there's no doubt. If you're listening to the show, get the lifetime and stop paying $15 a month. To break it down, the I mean, when you add everything up, the first month, if you have a level 50 tune, uh, including the first month stipend, the value is around 18,000 zen, so $181.87 for your first tune. And then you gain, you know, a 500 zen value every month after that, plus, you know, your first Klingon would be worth about 136. So it pays for itself in yeah. one month, two months. Uh, if you have more than one tune, it pays for itself in the first month, absolutely, in, in what you get. And if you've been playing free all this time, I mean, just think about how much enjoyment and entertainment you've gotten so far. And it's like, you might as well just, it's like NPR. Man, we should be getting kickbacks this episode. You guys are all over this. I mean, I've been lifetime since beta, but geez. Pledge week. Pledge week, pledge week. Now, we also had June 19th patch notes. Uh, Cookie, what, uh, what do we have for patch notes? Well, some big things, okay. Romulan Republic power boards have been released for Romulan captains. And those Romulans that have already bought a faction-specific board, you can just trade it in to get a Romulan power board. So you don't have to spend another, I think it's 1,500 Lola Yeah. So that's so nice of them, isn't it? And the party poppers are now usable on Ryza. So I used them today. It was really cool. Look at that. Instant turnaround. We just talked about that on the show last week. This week, it's in the patch notes. Thank you, Cryptic Team. Indeed. Indeed. Also, there's a bonus mark event scheduled for June 26th through June 30th, 2014. So keep your schedules open. Well, with the first iteration of crafting to hit triple this week, let's get the lowdown on the new system straight from Star Trek Online's lead designer, Al, Captain Gecko Rivera. Security clearance level three or above is required to access files. This is Captain Benjamin Sisko. Authorization, Sisko Alpha One Alpha. Logs accessed. With the crafting revamp for Star Trek Online that just hit triple, we're joined by STO lead designer Al, Captain Gecko Rivera, to talk more about the changes and get clearer insights on the new system. Al, as always, thanks for joining us here on Priority One Podcast. Oh, you're very welcome. It's good to be here. All right, so let's start, if you don't mind, would you give us a brief overview of the new crafting system? Okay, well, as everybody knows, Star Trek Online has had a uh, crafting system in the game that was 
what we ever really wanted for the game, and it's been a really long time since we've uh, had a chance to improve it. Um, it's something that we've wanted to do for a long time. There's a lot of things on our bucket list of upgrades, and crafting was a big one. So the old crafting uh, system is more like a store. There's all these materials that you collect around the world, and the icons are really terrible because you can't tell the difference between one that's like, you know, red, and this one's a little light red, and this one's a little kind of darker red, this is an orange red, and, uh, and you can get through the whole system like in a few hours, right? And there's not much to do, and there's nothing exciting. So we want to improve that quite a bit, and one of the things we also want to do is integrate a little bit with the duty officer system. So our new crafting system is live on Tribble right now. And I want to be very clear to everyone that it's very, very early. It is just the earliest that we could get functional that way people could play. So there's a lot of questions, there's a lot of assumptions and some concerns, but I want everyone to know that this is very early. UI isn't done, the costs aren't done, the ingredients aren't done. This is what it's like in game development. So sometimes it's a double-edged sword to put something out too early because you know we're kind of showing you how the sausage is made. Um, and so people have some expectations that it's some sort of beta, but it's really not a beta. It's just, hey, we want to make sure we kind of shake out the most egregious bugs first while we're still working on all the tuning and all the recipes for the system. So there's a lot more to come in there. So be patient. And really what we really need is some basic general feedback right now. And we need some general testing and looking for big bugs and anything is too egregious. But the system in general is uh, seven schools that you can go through. There are 20 levels in every school. We've uh, updated all the materials throughout the world, and we've updated the harvest nodes. Even the art is different now, so you'll be able to find like you know special asteroids and special things throughout the universe. And you'll also get a lot of rare materials from for PVE queues. And one of the things that we wanted to do off the bat, and which was something that we were you know, really focusing on, is when we release this system, a typical crafting system, you start off and you get to make early junk. Like if it was a fancy game, you get to make leather armor before you can start making plate mail or anything fancy. So what are we going to do? We're going to launch this system and everyone's going to be making Mark 1 stuff. Says, well, we want people to, be able to make stuff that they could use, but we also want progression. So we have the skill systems work is right off the bat, you can make a Mark 12 item, but it's going to be hard to make one that you really want. In other words, it's going to be hard to get a purple. You can get it, but uh, it'll be difficult. There's also something that's not available yet on Tribble called Catalysts. They may be called Accelerators in the UI, I'm not sure. These are little boosts that you can slot in that will boost your skill, so that way you improve your chances of getting a higher quality item. So you can make Mark 12 purples off the bat if you use the right accelerators, but yes, it will cost you money or resources in order to acquire those. Or if you go up in the system, eventually you'll be able to make with ease Mark 12 purples and even ultra rares in the system. Before we jump into what is currently on Tribble, what I want to ask is, is there any plans to have a tutorial of sorts, either video or a mission, to kind of walk through players what they're going to need to do? Yeah, we are working actually not only a new tutorial, but a new tutorial technology for all our tutorials for this. We'll be redoing the Do the Officer tutorial and we'll be doing a new tutorial for this. Which it'll be similar to the uh, kind of call-out tutorials that you've seen in the gameplay tutorial where it says click over here to activate your full impulse and that sort of thing. So we're going to give you something like that, but it's going to be a lot more robust. If you log out, it won't get destroyed. If you try to close it, it'll warn you if you want to close it. It'll be persistent. If you do, Once you do it once, you won't have to do it for every character. So it'll remember that you've completed it. So yes, there'll be a full tutorial. Once you log in, the way we have it currently planned, and of course this still may change because we're just working on the tutorial now, is when you first log in, or 
after the system is launched, you know, once you, if a new character comes in and once they get to the appropriate level, we're not sure what level it's going to unlock at yet, but it will unlock after the duty officer system, probably like level 13 or 15 or something. Once you either log in on season 9.5 or reach that level, you'll get a pop-up and says, here's a crafting starter kit and congratulations, you can now use their research and development system and care to continue and then it will open the UI and will tell you this is how what you got to do and this is do this to make this this recipe and, and it'll walk you through step by step and it won't go away until you either cancel the tutorial or complete that step so yes so there'll be a full tutorial on how the system works I don't suppose this tutorial will include a shiny new memory alpha will it? No we've shut down memory alpha and we have no immediate plans to bring it back we decided that crafting is something that we want players to be able to do anywhere and not have to go to memory alpha to do and we talked thoroughly did we want to send somebody to a location we even thought about sending you to Utopia Planitia to get some more use out of Utopia Planitia because it's a much nicer map than Memory Alpha. And Memory Alpha is an old map that's poorly laid out. It really is, so it needs a complete revamp. But we decided that it really didn't seem necessary to make people go all the way to Memory Alpha or Utopia Planitia just to see a contact who had actually no value whatsoever. At least, what's his name who does the DOF guy, I just call him Mittens, the guy at the Academy who gives you the DOF tutorial. He actually, you know, sells duty officers and when there's the duty officer appreciation event, when they give away the exocomp, he gives you that. So he actually has function. I don't have a function for a crafting contact anymore with the new system. So uh, there is no location associated with it and so we just basically closed out memory alpha. We're trying to, as part of generally improving in the game, we are improving content we're adding all the new content is coming in at higher quality and instead of always just improving something sometimes we just pulling things out just don't need it anymore it's like it's really bad it's too much work to redo and it's not really adding anything to the game so it's gone that's why the uh, exploration sectors are also gone with the release of season 9.5 what about if you do open something like utopia planitia for crafting if you use a console that would increase the chance of uh, very rare, but I, I guess with the way the UI is currently laid out, there's really no way of doing that. Yeah, I mean, I could see uh, like if you go there and you use a station that this is a really good station and increases your skill. I mean, I could see that. I wouldn't be opposed to that. I don't think we're going to rebuild Memory Alpha just for that. That's an awful large map no, 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 no. Yeah, just to yeah. do that. But I could see us putting that on Utopia Planitia. You know, like everything else that we do, all these systems are just getting the foot in the door where we go with them from there. I have every intention to allow you to eventually craft a ship within the system. It's just not going to be at the launch of this season 9.5. So yeah, I think that's a really interesting idea. I think we could do that. I think that you ask if whether or not does the UI support that. I would just imagine you go to the console and it would launch a similar UI and basically allow you to do the same thing. But it would just give you a skill boost while you're at that station. So. Yeah, because I'm also thinking in terms of just the social aspect of crafting. If everybody's huddled around a station, that gives more of an opportunity. Oh, does somebody happen to have XYZ material or something of that, you know, where it just gets people talking a little bit? Sure. Well, I think it's a great idea. I'll make note of that. I could see that being added, and I probably would just put a Utopia Planitian on Kronos or a new Romulus, but for Fed, I think Utopia Planitia is a great map to use. That was a neat mechanic in uh, Star Wars Galaxies. They had different locations, and you had different percentage chances. Yeah, it was just, it's just kind of a neat thing to add. Yeah, I could see some being giving different bonuses for different things that you're making. One quick question that I'm sure some folks will ask about Memory Alpha. That was the one place where the Ferengi commodity broker sold 
three of the commodities at a discount that are don't think were available at that price anywhere else. Will he get relocated anywhere? Yeah, we'll probably move him somewhere. Probably Drazana. Uh, eventually, we want to open up the quadrant, just galactic northwest where Frankenar is, and I think Beta Zed is up that way too. We've been meaning to open that up for a while and put a lot of Frankie stuff up in there. So, yeah, everything that's being removed will be replaced at some point or another. If it hasn't, it's because we haven't thought about it or just completely forgot, and then it's just our bad and we'll find a place for it. The Ferengi guy, I don't know, someone may have already caught that and put it somewhere, I don't know, but I'm sure that we'll find a place for him. One thing you mentioned earlier was because that this is still an alpha, people should remember that things are you know, very much ready to change, including the pricing. And that's a concern that we've seen a lot of when we ask the community to share their feedback of the current system right now on Tribble. Their concern over high dilithium costs for, you know, a random outcome. You may get a rare, you may get an uncommon or common. Can you talk a little bit more about that? You know, can you ease player concerns about 20k dilithium to try to get a purple item? Certainly. The first thing, as I say, is just go back to my first comment that nobody should be worried about any of the numbers in the system whatsoever. They are just spitfire numbers just to kind of get the system started. There are nothing in those numbers are, are permanent. The second thing to remember is that you can make a Mark 12 purple on day one of the system, but if your skill is really low, you're going to be really lousy at it. So once you get your skill up, it's not going to be a random chance to get a Mark to get a purple. You're going to get what you want. But if you try to make it with low skill, then you're going to fail, and so you're going to make a white. The opposite thing to do is just to lock you out of making high-tier stuff from the beginning, but we didn't want to lock you out of it. If you really want to make that, you can get around that by using a boost, and then you'll get the purple. If you just make low-tier gear at first, which doesn't cost dilithium, then you can eventually get your skill up, and then you'll be able to make whatever you'd like, and then other recipes will also unlock. What's not on there right now is... There's a lot of unique gear that's coming out. We've got a bunch of, uh, there's probably about two or three pieces of unique gear per school. And I don't think any of them are on Tribble right now, including the Aegis set, which may or may not be on Tribble. I think it might be on there, but it, like it's, it's got a ridiculously low price or something. I can't remember what the status of that is, but that'll end up unlocking at like level 15. And then there's other new unique gear. And all the random gear also has a chance of getting brand new really unique enhancements. So like for instance the some of the weapons, for instance that you'll see the random algo generated gear that you get in the game that has like crit chance or crit damage or bonus DOT or whatever the different enhancements that come on them. There's new ones that are only available within the crafting system. For instance off the top of my head I think one of them has a chance when you the, the proc is when you fire your beam it has a chance to actually fire an overload beam instead. So there's a number of really interesting brand new enhancements that you can get only through crafting. And then uh, once you get to high tier, you will be able to even have a chance of making uh, ultraviolet, ultra rare gear. There's also some things, really cool stuff coming to the crafting system, which will come with X2, which I can't talk about right now, but may even come out before X2. But uh, it's something special that you can only get through the crafting system. So you kind of want to start getting your levels up now before Expansion 2 comes out, so that way you'll be in a position to make some things that you're going to really, really want. Very cool. I'm excited to see more about the uh, beam overload proc, because I'm a big beam captain for sure. 
Yeah, there's several of really, really interesting brand new Crocs enhancements that come on all the items. They all have something unique and special about them that only show up in there. We also eventually um, plan on allowing you to pick exactly what kind of enhancement you want on an item, but that will have to be a 2.0 feature that will come a little later. But it is part of the original plan, and the system is ready to support it, but we just don't have full support for it yet. So that way you can say, I want this and this and this, and you'll get exactly what you want. It, of course, costs you more to do that, but you will be able to do that. So there will be, in the future, the opportunity for a player or a captain to select what modifiers? Yes. Or craft I what think, modifiers? Okay. I think the way it's going to work is you'll be able to, the different part of the crafting system where you can instead take an item and replace its enhancement. So you can choose one for every craft. So I'm going to craft this, I'm going to craft an accuracy on this thing, and take out this and add an accuracy. And if you want another accuracy, you'll have to do it again, as opposed to just building one specific thing. But the uh, that whole thing hasn't been done, and it's not completely thought out. That will be an addition added to the system, hopefully, in the near future. You will need a high skill level to do that kind of thing. Will this allow you to edit anything, or will things like, um, like for instance, will you be able to edit the Mako set bonuses or something? You won't be able to edit the Mako set bonus, but eventually in the system, you will be able to take that Mako set and turn it into ultraviolet or even gold or even gold right and when you do that it's just going to get a random enhancement to it and then you'll be able to pick which enhancements you want to that system so sometimes players like to be you know become the crafter right the crafter of the fleet or the guild will i have to level myself up to do that or is this something that if a player reaches a certain tier or certain skill level they'll be able to receive an item from another player to upgrade it for them I don't think there's any plans for you to be able to upgrade somebody's bound gear. I don't know if there's a way to do that. So uh, certainly everything you make will be fully tradable. But whether or not you'll be able to modify someone's bound gear, I don't think we've honestly considered it. I'll make a note of that. Okay, but I, I take that back. You will not be able to take someone's gear and modify it. You will be able to give them something to modify it for you. It ah, will, you will be okay. able to be able to do it. So that's how we'll be handling bound gear. Okay. So. okay, so that if somebody is not interested in leveling up through crafting, but is interested in modifying and turning their Mako into gold or ultraviolet, mm-hmm. they'll receive something from a master crafter in yes. order to get it done. Here's a manual crafting upgrade thing, right? This will work for you. Give me money. Good luck. <laughs> right? Different people who are better crafters will make better ones of those. Given that the costs are obviously subject to change, we had a concern that was brought up by a listener Sunseal via the Facebook page and captains. That's facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast, which is the fact that this is an added dilithium sink versus a daily refinement cap. So you have the fleet system, the reputation system, and now this. So folks who are totally free to play are going to be waiting longer and longer to get through all their ore in order to interact with all three of these systems. So they might have a perfectly good bank of ore, but get held back by needing it for so many different things. So has there been any consideration to maybe increasing the cap? Uh, no, I don't think there's been any consideration to increasing the daily refinement limit. The system is, remember, just replacing the old dilithium system. It also replaces the old dilithium store, both of which were dilithium sinks themselves. So this is just a better system than what we had before. So this isn't a new cost. This is just a better way to get exactly what you want. 
So, for instance, the old dilithium store, you could buy all this gear in there for dilithium. Those those will all be emptied if they're not already emptied on Tribble, if anyone has noticed. Oh. So, and, and also, the old crafting system required you to buy replicatable materials, which cost dilithium, and so this is in there as well. And just even to note about the high dilithium costs, I mean, it used to cost something like 30000 or 50000 dilithium to buy a Mark 11 item in the dilithium store. And so these prices really aren't that high. Uh, even what they are right now. So, uh, again, they're still really up for modification, and we also are just generally modifying all of our prices of all our gear uh, in the game. So a lot of it's still in flux. For instance, previously we, we balanced our gear prices in the game based on slots. So a deflector dish costs you a lot energy credits. It also costs a lot of dilithium, while a gun, a space gun, costs you a lot less because you needed eight of them. But... The desire for a space weapon and the usefulness of a space weapon is far greater than a deflector. So instead of basing them on, on price, we're kind of leveling them out a little bit. So like gun prices are going to go up, but deflector and engine and shield prices are going to come down. We're going to try to normalize them a little bit. So all the prices are a little bit in general in flux. This will affect dilithium and energy credit prices. But again, all the prices in the crafting system, I can't tell you where they're going to land, but they're still completely in flux right now. So we've got a lot of tuning and a lot of math to figure out exactly where we want them to be at this time. I know you mentioned another time that uh, you guys were kicking around different ideas for compensating folks who had already progressed through the previous crafting system. Do you have any more update thoughts on that? The number one thing that we are doing is we're letting people exchange their materials, and there's been a lot of people getting a little upset about the way it's working right now. It's just, here's a system that will let you do it while you're on Tribble. Um, there'll, be a, there'll be a much better system, probably simply a bulk, just here, trade in 99 of these or 999 of these and exchange the whole thing, and you'll get a complete conversion of all your gear. We thought about doing it automatically, so when you logged in, all those things were, were changed, but when we run those things, those are called fix-up scripts. That's usually why day one of a release is really, really laggy because every time someone logs in, it has to run a fix-up script. So we try not to run fix-up scripts because they basically destroy day one of any launch, which is why we're letting you guys do it because then it's a little amortized across time as opposed to like when the server just comes up. So we will be exchanging those, but as far as giving credit from your old crafting system to this, we decided just frankly just not to do it because the system is so different and if you had the resources, you could basically finish the old crafting system in like a matter of hours. It really isn't much of a system that in any way compares and immediately make Aegis items. So there really wasn't a fair translation in any way to the, to the new system. The new system is far more robust and far different that anything that we would give you that we thought would be comparable would basically be something that you could accomplish in a few hours of the new system anyway. It just didn't make any sense. Um, and so, no, this is a new system, and so we've made a decision to, to not do any of that. And, and I understand if uh, there's some people may not be happy about that or might grumble about that, but really it's night and day, so it just didn't make any sense. I guess the only thing I would say to that maybe as a devil's advocate, because I'm sure, I'm sure we'll hear it on the forums, is that that kind of puts existing crafters in the mindset of they actually would have been better off if they had just kept those resources because the resources will get converted. Well, but they got items out of them. The whole point of the old crafting system was to make items, so they take those resources and they made items. So we're not taking those items away from them. It's not that they lost anything. They weren't consuming those items 
for no reason. So I understand that, but the progress that you will make to get you anywhere near to the old system is just really going to take you a matter of hours to continue through. So it's not what we would give you would be very small consolation what we could give you. One thing I didn't see on Tribble yet, uh, do you have a plan for trading in anyone who has uh, existing unreplicatable materials as well? Yes, we do. We absolutely do have a plan for managing unreplicatable materials. I don't honestly think there's even a lot of them out there. Not a lot of people play the old system. I doubt people who have them are sitting on a large number of them. So it's not going to be an issue for us to take care of. Yeah, I only ever bought exactly how many I needed for whatever I was making at that time. Exactly. It's not like you're going to go buy 20 of them and sit on them in your bank. And why would you do that? So generally, anybody who's bought them has already used them. I doubt there's much left out there. Another thing I saw in the new system notes that seemed really cool was the new traits from getting high tiers of the crafting schools. Now, will, will those go in the regular trait slots, like your default trait slots? Yeah, those are regular captain traits. They'll be in there and you can then slot them out for something, yes. There won't be a separate like crafting trait block. If that's what you're asking. I just wanted to clarify. Yeah, I figured they probably went yeah. over personal traits. made the most sense. Mm-hmm. Yes, they'll be personal traits. And I'm sorry, these are crafting traits, or they are a trait that can be craft... Uh, can you explain that to me a little bit? They are traits that are related to the school. For instance, like the beam trait gives you bonuses to beams or something. It's a combat trait. It's not a trait for crafting. We don't like to make traits that work outside of combat because then it just causes aberrant behavior where I'm just going to slot when I'm out of combat so I'm going to slot this non-combat trait and then we go back oh I forgot to take out my crafting trait and put in my combat trait so these will be combat traits they're related to the school of what you're making and they will be automatically rewarded or you have to then craft it no you don't have to craft the trait no you'll just unlock it you're Elijah you're thinking like are we crafting genetic resequencers right 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 Uh, related to that something we do have planned to do I've talked about this in brief before, and this is pretty. Uh, this is still a little far out there, and it's not even an X2 thing, but I'm hoping it'll be a uh, maybe a Season 10 thing. Um, I've been wanting to redo the skill system for a while, and whatever form that takes, something in the skill system that you can do right now is you can, whatever career you are, you can earn the ability to train other bridge officers in, say, you know, Gravity Well 3, for instance, or something like that. So what we want to do is we want to move that into a new school of crafting where you'll be able to craft uh, technical manuals and trade those out so that way you can train other people. And then we'll be able to kind of open that up far more than what it is currently. So just an idea of some of the different things we want to do with the system in the future as we develop it. Now, I haven't played Neverwinter, but I have been hearing people make comparisons with this system to the system in Neverwinter. So what can you say about the similarities or differences for people who might have played that? Well, I think there's some of the DNA of the system is shared, but I think it's more because, you know, we originally made the duty officer system for Star Trek uh, online, and then they kind of picked up a little bit of that to make their crafting system in Neverwinter. So they have these basically duty officers in there, um, which was basically what we originally wanted to do for Star Trek in, in some form. And so there's some similarities in that, uh, and certainly the UI is influenced by it. But I'm not a super expert on the Neverwinter crafting system. I mean, when you've got similar people who shared knowledge and shared code, that inevitably there's some similarities. Um, I don't want to seem ignorant too much because based on what they've done, but there are similarities there, but it wasn't, there weren't intentional similarities. We were just... More of a parallel evolution. 
It is very much a parallel evolution. I mean, inevitably, if you're in the gaming industry, you're, you're always kind of looking at what other games are doing and seeing how you can riff off of them or modify those or, hey, you know, this game does this system this way. Can we, does that work for us? How can we make that work? And when you've got people who've worked on it, you know, 20 feet away, then generally their feedback is going to have some influence on what you're doing. So, so inevitably there's certainly influence there and I can actually, you can even see it in the UI is certainly some influence, but probably the UI is the biggest similarity between them. Honestly, I've, I've never used Neverwinter. I've only briefly seen it. I had somebody walk me through it once just to kind of see what they were doing. And I'm sure at that point it had some subconscious effect on what we were doing. But I honestly never used it myself. Yeah, I also have only briefly seen it uh, through a friend who played the game because I wanted to you know, take a look and see how they compared. I'm curious, uh, now that you're redoing you know, crafting along with the DOS system, is there any possibility that Gateway the gateway will get some love and get the crafting system and DOS system added to it, or has that been completely abandoned at this point? Um, it was briefly abandoned because the duty officer system, the one on holodeck, the UI is so ridiculously complicated that we could not make the transition into gateway. But now that we're updating the UI for the duty officer system, it's much cleaner, and I've seen some grumblings, and I understand one of the issues is that you can't really sort by commendation you know, be cool. It's coming. You'll be able to sort by commendation. Again, still very early. But part of this transition is to allow us to make it easier so we can get it onto Gateway. So I was honestly just having this conversation on Friday with D'Angelo about could we do this at this point. So it's on the little whiteboard. Yeah, I think we can do this now that, now that all the pieces are in play. But um, I couldn't tell you when that's going to happen. It's certainly not going to happen for X2, but it could happen shortly after that. The pieces now are in play and it's far more accessible and available for us to do it. Uh, it's far easier now for us to do it. Really the assignments page is the changes to the assignment page is really what's kind of made a lot I more I could definitely see that adapting to a tablet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of the goal because I mean that's where coming back to your question about Neverwinter. I mean Neverwinter is available on Gateway because of the way it's been laid out and hence that's where you see a lot of the influence from UI point of view. Thomas Marone, Thomas the Cat, you know, spent a lot of time looking at the Neverwinter system, so we could uh, make that transition. Well, I know I speak for a lot of people. When I'm say, so excited, yeah, oh, yeah. and I just can't hide it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just yeah. having that, that back a, on the table is awesome. Yeah, that was an unexpected response. I, I figured that had been long abandoned. It's not a commitment. I'm not going to commit to it, but it is something that I've wanted. I know a lot of people wanted, and when I honestly just talked about it with D'Angelo, he says, it's something that he said, yeah, you know, bringing back Gateway is something that he's wanted to do. And now it's far more realistic at this point. I wanted to kind of uh, delve into a little bit of what the UI is right now with you. Because it took me a little bit of time to kind of first get used to it. But we'll skip over having to convert your existing materials and particle traces because, as you mentioned, it'll change. And this will yeah, probably change, too. Yeah, that's going to change. Basically, we're not going to do the automatic update because for reasons I told you, but you will be able to double-click on it and then just basically do something like convert this entire stack or get a slider like you do with hypos and say convert 99 of them and hit it, and then it'll just convert 99 random materials of the same rarity. So I'm the guy that will go into the system and say, I want to craft a Mark 12 purple cannon. Right, sure. I'm, that, I'm that guy. Let's, so let's let's be that guy. So right, I don't have the, any materials on my triple character, unfortunately. <laughs> but okay. that's okay. <laughs> so I go to, and I find under cannon dual heavy cannons, and I hit begin. All right, I'm doing this with you, but 
Uh, dual, he- dual heavy cannons hit again. All yeah. right. So now I'm going to. I'm going making Mark 12 <laughs> under this Mark exactly. II crap. Exactly. Right? right. And I want anti-proton. <laughs> yeah. Confirmed. Confirm. <laughs> Which I noticed. It's very nice. You can wow. get anti-proton at any Mark level now. Oh, yeah. That's true. They've always existed. They just don't drop in the game. But, yeah. Sure. Why not? Done. So you go here, and then you look at your rarity, and your very rare chance is zero. Exactly. You're not getting the purple. Exactly. Now, because you see your skill rating is right now zero, and the difficulty rating is 10. How do those relate? Is that equal? So if it costs 180, or the difficulty rating is 180, I should have 180 skill? You're going you're gonna to need 180 doesn't mean that you guarantee to make a purple. That kind of puts you on par, right? When your numbers match, you're on par. And... We kind of talked a little bit about the best way to display it, but really the best way to just show it is basically as you change your duty officers, you can watch your percentages change. And one thing that is missing currently from those little bar graphs is seeing the delta. Like, so that way you can see what is your base level, and then I'm adding, like, I just added a plus 30 purple duty officer to mine, and so I have plus 30 skill. And so you can't really see how much the white has gone down. I'm going to say, for instance, let me move to a, a white duty officer if I've got one here. Um, I don't have a white duty officer because I'm the developer. So. <laughs> 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 so let's see. It's okay. Nobody else has white duty officers either because they dumped them into their fleets. That's true. <laughs> I might have like one. So what you'll see next to it too is you see the catalysts, right? Which there are none in the game right now that I think you have access to at the current time. And those will also add skill to it. And as you increase your skill, you'll also modify your chances. So... Basically, the difficulty rating is the uh, target, and you need to increase your number above that. The higher above that, then the more that the bars change. What's missing right here is really just that brief description at the top of the UI that tells you exactly what that means. And so that's still missing, and that's still coming to the UI. So there's some more stuff coming that will help with that. But you can do it, but obviously, yeah, this is probably a really chancy thing for me to do because I'm not going to get a purple. I'm going to, if I'm lucky, I'll get a green. Do I want to do that? No, I should get my skill up. Get your skill up, then those bars will start to invert. Right. So, and again, crafting skill, like mine reads 20 plus 15. 20 is my base because I leveled up to level 2, and then 15 I'm getting from the duty officer. When that equals or is better than 180, I will have a better chance of getting a very rare. Yes. Okay. Will this eventually show the chance of getting an ultra rare, a, a ultraviolet, or is that just a happy coincidence if it happens? A happy surprise? No. Uh, once you have gear that can do that, the bars will be different. Oh, so there's not going to be ultra rare for every item that's listed. It's just select stuff. Uh, the special gear will be able to go to ultraviolet, like Aegis. Music to yeah. my ears. You will be able to, in the future, be able to change basic gear into ultraviolet, but that would be a different step. So, for instance, the reason why we specifically did it for, say, Aegis and other unique pieces of gear is that we didn't want you to craft a white Aegis. The amount of materials and costs to go into making a piece of Aegis gear or other special gear is really high, and it would really, really stink if you made it a white gear. And anyway, we'd have to build that white version because it's all handmade. It's not an algorithmic generator. So we'd have to make what is the Aegis without any stuff on it anymore. So all special gear just comes in purple, very rare. Or, if your skill's high enough, you can get ultraviolet, ultra-rare quality out of it based on your skill level. 
Okay. So if you notice, if you go to make a component, like the graphs are different, right? Say if you're going to try to make an EPS conduit, there's only two bars there, success and crit. And although the tooltip is not currently working, when you crit, you get two EPS conduits instead of one. So right now, it just doesn't tell you that in the UI. That's still just not uh, an incomplete feature. But basically, when you're going to create an Aegis, you'll get something like that. You'll get two bars. You'll get very rare or ultra rare as your two options. In its current iteration, it was hard for me to understand, other than clearly the cost, which I had a lot of red items in there, and the catalysts, which would increase it. It just it was hard for me to compare, okay, what do I have versus what do I need in terms of skill, in terms of XP. Um, and actually, a bug that I'm noticing is that when I hit confirm, the difficulty ratings and the XP don't update. I have to kind of switch back and forth between... Like yeah, there's a lot of quirkiness a, still in the UI. It just, it just is. Uh, all right. So the other thing I was thinking is, other than that, right, what will it take for me to bump up and get the percentage for very rare up? And like you already explained, crafting skill is in direct relation to the difficulty rating. So the rating or above will increase the very rare percentage. I was thinking, all right, so this is what I want, right? I want this dual heavy cannon, this anti-proton dual heavy cannon. That, that's what I want. I want it, and I want to get ready for that. But in order for, unless I write down the additional costs, right, the the focusing lens and the plasma compressor, I have to cancel out of this window and kind of go back and forth. The plan is if you've got a cost in there, if you've got an item, a component that's red because you don't have it, you will be able to click on it and it will just pop up. Do you want to craft this? focusing lens nice and then it'll bring you to crafting focusing lens and then you can just craft oh, that good. but yes it'll just take you to crafting focusing lens and then you come back okay let me see if i can make the cannon now oh no i need a targeting interface okay so i guess i'll go make that one now and then maybe you don't have the materials for that either says so, oh you still you know oh, okay targeting lens i need a whatever the hell i need to make a targeting lens i need a magnesite and i need a uh, hydrazine gas so i gotta go out and find that the other thing, is there plans to, like, when I want to make a anti-proton cannon, it says 3,000 XP. Will it have, like, you have 3,000 out of your bank of whatever your XP number may be? That is something that we need to fix in the UI because it's not costing you 3,000. It's going to give you 3,000 XP. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That is your reward. Yeah, I did notice the, the minus so, sign in there a couple times. Yeah, there's a duration, and then there's a uh, and what you're going to get. So... You're getting 3,000 XP to add to Beam, which will give you a huge bump in your crafting school. So there's an advantage to making Mark 12s, even if you have no shot of getting a purple. And when you're level 1, you know, there may be a point where you, no matter how rare duty officer or catalyst, you still are never going to make that purple because you're so out of range. And the difficulty is 180, and your skill maybe the best you can get it to is 50 or 60 with catalysts. I think the best catalysts go to 50, so I guess you get to 80 with a 30 officer and 80 and I guess you can have two catalysts so I guess you could get to uh, 130 would be the highest you get so that's pretty close you might maybe I'll start seeing some real changes in numbers at that point but you still get the 3000 XP because your difficulty rating your crafting skill always guarantees that you're at least going to get a white but I don't think you can craft anything that your captain can't use so if you're a level one player you can't log in and make uh, a mark 12 piece of gear you just can't do that yet but everyone on triple right now is 50, so you can make it. So, all right, so here's my other question now. So XP is not the same as crafting skill. I need to earn XP to 
progress and earn crafting right. skill points. If you hover your cursor over Beam School, and this is also another piece of UI that is, still needs to be added, but it's in tooltip form right now. If you just put your cursor over your Beam School, your Canon School, it'll tell you that you're 0 XP of 30 XP and 30 XP from reaching the next level of research, of research school. So 3,000 XP would get you right past level 2 and probably into level 3 or something like that. Yes, that is the XP for the level. Uh, when you go to each one of the schools, what's going to happen at the top of the page, let's say if you just click on Beam School, it says Beam Research School Level 0, and you're Canon, right? So it just says Canon Research School, you're like level 3 or something now? Or two, something two like that. right now. Two. Underneath it will be a whole lot more information. It'll tell you what Canon schools are, what you can make, where you get the stuff, along with a bunch of bar graphs saying this is your level, this is how much XP you have, this is how much XP to the next level, and what your crafting skill is currently without any modifiers. So there'll be a lot more information in there. So is level 2 20 skill points? Currently, yeah. Level 2 is 20 skills points. Right now it's completely completely linear. It's just a multiplier by 10. Um, it's done simply so that way we can do a better resolution of bonuses. Because if we had level 2 was 2 skill points, we'd have a duty officer, instead of giving you 15, would have to give you 1.5 bonus. And that the resolution didn't seem right. So we just multiplied it by 10. So we can give away, you know, here, plus 1. And that makes sense as opposed to plus 0.1. So that's all that that is. Once the UI is a little more cleaned up and there's a little more information on there and the tutorial is up, I think it's going to be really, really easy for someone to jump in and figure out what's going on. There's just 10% more information, which is really vital, that is missing right now, in addition to just some general bugs. I think I just tried to make a Mark 12 anti-proton fill heavy cannon, and I got some really weird numbers out of it that didn't look right. Still early. Like I said, still making the sausage. I mean, in terms of what's on Tribble right now, you know, it's, it, this is really what it boils down to, what we're seeing here. And, and these were the questions that I had. Uh, you mentioned already, because one thing I did notice about the duty officer assignments was, oh, it's not sorted now. You know, it's, I, li I did like that. And you mentioned already that, that that'll be fixed up in, in a future patch. Yeah, we even still need to get sorting, for instance, just in the recipes, right? Because right now they're just the word component is, and item is in front of it as a hack to sort them, <laughs> right? We'd want to be able to sort them by level. People sort them by level. Right now they're not even sorting by level, right? So as far as like level requirements, we want to be able to sort them by level, sort them alphabetically. So those pieces are still missing. Uh, and then that same sort of tech would just go into the duty officer assignments as well. Now, why not split components with the actual end item? Why have components? No, 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 no. Why not in the UI itself, like beam components and then beam item, almost like a subcategory, instead of it all being on one page? Right, right, right. Yeah, that's basically some of the sorting stuff that we want to do. Oh, they okay. kind of spread them out and say, these are all the components and then these are all the items. And so I suspect that the recipe page will change once or twice before we get to 9.5 and then probably one or two more times before we get to X2. So there's... Ridiculous amount of planning going into making yeah, yeah. a system like this. <laughs> <laughs> and when you think you're done, it says, yeah, we've got about 10% left. You know, 10% probably takes longer than the first 90% that we worked on. So, yes, I think that we definitely know we need to do better sorting. I mean, for instance, things that we've talked about is basically first by default sorting by level. And if you can't make something, we just gray it out. So you can't actually go to details and try to craft it, even though you absolutely cannot because you're not the right level. So we would just cut you out of that and putting more information on there as far as what you actually need and what you're missing and how you can get it. So it looks like a lot of that's actually kind of already there. We've already added that you need two rubidium, you need two, three Z particles. So some of that's already starting to show up. So there's a big, long punch list of things that we're adding. And they just, and so I know a lot of the stuff that's supposed to go in and then it just, it always, oh, look, they got that done. They got that done. So it's coming. 
I have a feature request. Mm -hmm. uh, on behalf of one of our hosts named Elijah, he'd like a giant I win button added. The, the yeah, I win button? The easy yeah, button. You know, something that, that you instantly go to full XP on all categories and have the dilithium costs removed. That, that would be great. Yeah. Okay, first of all. Yeah, I, I have that. It's great. It's really cool. You should have it. Uh, you, should, you should have it, too. Actually, I can actually go in there and just click on the on the requirement, and it just gives it to me. It's really beautiful. You should really check it out. That's a, that's, that's a quality of life It's uh, a pretty cool feature. Right there. You should check it out. Yeah. That's expansion two. It's confirmed. Oh How dare you, Skippy? How dare you? Level cap increase. We can now level up the dev. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, I did have somebody ask in chat the other night if there was any plans to maybe make the interact points for the duty officer colonization chains that are replacing the old nebulas into um, foundry points. Yes, that has come up and been talked about as well, um, about turning them into foundry points so that way you can just make missions in Delta Volanus or whatever uh, and just, you know, fictionally kind of making them out there. Yeah, we have talked about that. I think that's going to be very easy to do, and I think it'll probably uh, it's probably a good bet that you can get that. Is there anything that you've seen on from the buzz on the community on the release since uh, Thursday night that you want to address? Um, yeah, let's see. I made some notes here. Let's see what I got here if we haven't talked about it. We're talking about trading in all materials. Uh, schematics will be going away. So there are some schematics you can get from one or a handful of duty officer assignments, and they're basically an input to make special crafting items in the old system. They're basically just going away. If you have them, you can just sell them for energy credits, and that duty officer assignment will not happen anymore. There is one schematic that we will be keeping but modifying. If you play one of the uh, Romulan missions, the Romulan featured series, the one where you go down to the planet into the caves, I can't remember the name of it right now. Horda? It's, it's, it's silly. Yeah, we get the Horda. You get the cosmetic pet Horda the first time you play. The second time you play, you get a schematic that is an input, so that way you can take your Horda cosmetic pet and that schematic and run it through a duty off. It's a duty assignment in a box. You can double-click it, and it will run a duty off. Uh, well, that's how it's going to change. It's, for the old system, it was an ingredient to craft your cosmetic pet Horda into a combat pet Horda. And so what it's going to do now is that instead you'll be able to just double click it, it'll be like a duty officer assignment in a box and then it'll run through the duty officer system to convert your Horda into a combat Horda. So that's the only schematic that we are that we are keeping. There's been some questions about the daily wrapper on the exploration sector blocks because people want that 1440 dilithium. There's a lot of ways to earn dilithium in the game. It's not like that's the only way to get it. But we are talking about ways to add more ways of either replacing that daily. I mean, I really want to see marks and dilithium awarded in non-group content so that way you don't have to always do a queue to get these things you can do them solo we'll find a way to get that daily replaced in there uh, or at least to earn that same amount there's going to be a lot more details of the system and updates of the system coming out very soon very regularly so the main thing that i want to emphasize for everyone to do is to keep an eye on the blogs keep an eye on the website and uh, watch for more information and full details on say like harvesting materials and getting rare materials and the whole system and all the items coming out there's several blogs scheduled coming out and so keep an eye on that and for further details or any changes that countermind anything that i said today yeah i figured that because this just launched on friday and it's still very much in a preliminary state at least for what players are seeing this would really just be a an introductory discussion on the new crafting system and we'll just have to have you on as as things keep coming down the pipe 
Yeah, no, well, I'm happy to come on and talk <laughs> some more. Um, I want to ask you a question. So what I'm seeing you do is something similar to seeing what other players are doing is that they go right to, oh, I want to make this beam, and they immediately go to make the Mark 12, and then they're upset that it costs so much, and they have a 0% chance of making it very rare, and then they make a little bit of progress, and that becomes like 1% chance, and says, wow, this is, this is not fair, and not realizing that they have to get to level 20 before, or even level 15 before, start seeing some real progress there. What would make you feel less bad about that? Two things that come to mind for me is, A, not even letting you do that, which is not what we wanted to do, because we wanted you to be able to make Mark 12s off the bat if you want to spend a little extra money on, say, catalysts. Or B, just give you a warning that your skill level is really lousy for this item. And that's kind of what I'm thinking. Are you sure you want to try to make this? You might want to increase your skill before trying this. Maybe that would be enough to say, oh, okay, my skill is why these numbers are really bad because I really stink in this school right now. I would say probably a warning because the level of XP that you get from crafting even a, an uncommon is still pretty high. You're getting 3,000 crafting XP for it. So... Yeah, at, I mean, at maybe, least a warning, at least a pop-up warning, I think would yeah, be really nice. Yeah, yeah. I could see us putting a warning, I think, that, and then we can explain why and give you hope that, hey, you know what, once you get your skill up, you'll be able to kind of make something a little more reasonable. What you that'll expect. force the people that skipped the tutorial and went straight to it. That'll force them to read and understand why they can't do that. All right. Now, yeah, is the crafting system by design supposed to... Um, work with a player that is starting from level one and so as you're leveling your captain you're also leveling crafting i guess because you know me right i'm the quote-unquote end game player so i'm starting from the crafting system from the beginning i'm trying to think of a way that will alleviate that oh I, why can't i craft that purple yet and allow me to craft things that are useful still useful and also progress through the system well, I'm kind of picking up on two different questions about, well, first of all, you won't be able to craft at level one because first you have to unlock the duty officer system, which is a level 11 or 12, I can't remember when it is, uh, and then this will come like the next level or two levels after that. So you won't be able to do that until you're in the low teens, but yes, you'll be able to very quickly be able to start making gear that is your mark, right, because right away be able to start making, you know, mark fours very easily without much fuss. But as far as the other half of the question, as far as... Uh, what, what is the other half of the question? Or, or yeah, I can't make Mark 12 purple, whereas, you know, somebody that can make a Mark 4, and it's easier for them to see, I guess, that return on investment immediately, right? They craft it, and they're already getting a blue or a green, maybe even a, a purple. But for me, right, the guy that is already the 50, and I go in there, and I want to make an anti-proton, I can't yet, unless it's a white. Is there anything that I can do that isn't just crafting components or items that I may I'll, I'll likely not use. Is there anything else you can do to increase your skill? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, crafting components is, is not going to give you a lot of XP, although we're going to probably change that. We're going to probably uh, change the, the time and the XP you earn. By the way, the, the XP you earn is a direct relation to the time it takes to craft it, so since components only take five seconds to craft, you get like one or five XP for it. We're actually going to change that to like 15 seconds, 30 seconds, then like the rare ones will be like, like 30 minutes or something to make the really rare components. And by the time you're making rare components, you'll have probably unlocked five slots so you can kind of get them in rotation, five uh, project slots. So um, the only other way to do that would be to obtain catalysts. And so that way the catalyst will increase your skill and you'll be able to uh, make better stuff for you. I mean, these are fair questions. That really was a decision. If you look in most crafting systems, they don't even let you make high-end gear. You just have to start making 
leather armor and bags and whatever, and you don't get to make the stuff you need until you just get through the whole system. So we decided we didn't want that. We want you to go ahead and be able to make it right out the bat. But if you're going to do it, you're going to have to spend more time on it, or you're going to have to spend some money on it, basically, because like the catalyst will probably be in lockboxes. The catalyst will probably be in um, crafting packs. You can buy crafting packs from the C store, which will give you components and a whole bunch of materials and some accelerators, which will increase your skill. Um, the catalysts, excuse me, we used to call them accelerators. No, they're called catalysts. That's the only way to do that, or you get through the system. Right. So, probably be like crafting boots, like we have XP boots, so that way you can earn more XP right. from something and, and things like that. So, on average, right now, how long does the team expect a player to get through to the final tier of being able to craft the ultra rares and the or very rares? Mm-hmm. Well, to be able to start crafting rares, it's kind of, uh, that's not an easy question to answer because it's not digital. It's not, once you get to level 15, you can start crafting rares. It's analog, right? You just get a greater and greater chance of crafting rares to the point where it becomes, uh, I'm not sure if it ever becomes 100%, but it gets pretty close. But to get to level 20 in a particular school is about as long as it takes to finish a rep, right? They're equivalent investment times. Give or take. They're very different, but they're similar. 20 is not something we expect most people to get. Level 15 was where basically everything really unlocks and really starts becoming the end game of crafting. Getting from 1 to 15, we expect most people to be able to get to. 15 to 20 is far more hardcore crafter. So once you get to 15, you can pretty much make everything and have reasonable chances and reasonable amount of skill at 15. And then getting to 20 is the big deal. I don't think anything unlocks between 15 and 20. I think everything unlocks at 15. Other than an accolade, I think it unlocks at 20. I don't think there's any special recipes. You just get better at making them. And I'm sorry, at this point, 20 is the max? Is the cap? 20 is the max. Okay. There are 20 levels per school in, in the crafting system. Uh, Skiffy Jace, any questions from you guys? No, I think that covers most of what I had thought of or had heard from the community or anything like that. Yeah, so ultimately, you know, we have to craft the leather bags just to kind of progress at first. So, I mean, we can get a nice leather bag, which is worth a lot of XP, but it may not be that Gucci that we were after. Yes. You know, the, the, the Star Trek Online research and development system is very similar to a traditional crafting system, and you're going to have to invest in it before you can make the good stuff. We just let you go ahead and try and give a shot at making better stuff, but your chances are really low to get what you want. So instead of digital barriers of, you know, or Boolean barriers, you can't do it, we open up a little bit more. We probably wouldn't have done that if we had launched this at day one, but uh, it is something that we wanted to avoid from traditional crafting systems. So it shouldn't be that foreign to crafters that, yeah, you, you know what, you really are not skilled enough to make that Mark 12 purple, but you will be if you invest in it. And I want to remind people that, number one, I would even go through this to make a Mark 12 purple because that's just basic gear. Well, you know what? Not everybody has all Mark 12 purple gear. They really don't. Number two, um, the enhancements that you'll get with from these items in the crafting system are different and better than the other gear that you get in the game. And three, you will basically at, uh, be able to unlock special gear that you can't get anywhere else in the game. The only set gear that we will be launching is still the Aegis set, but all the other schools will have individual items that are unique and eventually we will make other sets coming soon to the game, including ground sets and alt space sets and additional recipes that will will come. In addition to the great new stuff that will be coming with uh, either on or just before uh, expansion too. And just to go back and answer your question for the player like me that wants to immediately get it, not only a warning, but I guess I'm thinking also, okay, you're going to probably get a white, but you're going to get 3,000 XP versus the 1 or 5 XP 
that you'd get by just crafting components over and over and over again. So if you want to level through the crafting system quickly, then yeah, you're going to... I would say I would want to be crafting the white anti-protons because I'm getting the max XP from that, and I'll be progressing through the system faster. You can still sell them for for energy credits. Right, right. So... When you, in which you get a lot of them for them. Also, right? just like with yeah, doffing, so you're not always going to be sitting there micromanaging shorter projects. You're going to want to slot some long projects for when you're not online. So maybe something in the UI or, or make it pop more a little bit so that I know that, okay, even though I'm getting a white-purple, I'm getting some pretty decent XP to progress through this faster. That's all UI polish. But I do like the idea of popping a warning that, you know, you're, you really stink at making this. So you're going to get a lot of XP, but you're probably going to get something not so great. Are you sure you want to do this? Are we going to get a crafting XP bonus pool from the next lockbox? Maybe. Not the next lockbox, but but as far as getting a crafting boosts, that is probably a no-brainer to do. Just what we're focusing right now are the catalysts that you'll see in the next lockboxes probably. In addition to just storages getting from crafting packs. You'll be able to start buying crafting packs that will have those catalysts, which are they're not quite XP boosts, but they're they're skill Is a crafting pack the same thing that was uh, mentioned that's going to be in the C store? Yeah, basically, this will be a new item that you'll just, just like you buy a duty officer pack, you can buy a crafting pack, and it will come with materials, it will come with already assembled components, and including rare ones, right? That's the whole point. And it will come with uh, accelerators, and there's, they, accelerators currently come in three sizes right now. now I, they may or may not come with duty officers, I don't know. Because, oh, that's something we haven't talked about. There will be some recipes that require certain duty officers to make. You notice that all the recipes, the replicator patterns, let's use the right terminology, all the patterns require a certain duty officer depending on what you're making. So uh, it might require a fabrication engineer or it might require a uh, technician or something like that. For instance, to make the Aegis gear, you will need an Aegis duty officer. And uh, I'm not quite sure where you're going to get them, if those are going to be in crafting packs or duty officer packs. I don't remember. But certain gear will require certain types of duty officers to, to make them. Well, Al, I think that wraps it up for crafting, you know, being that it's been out for a day and a half or so. Um, and like you mentioned, you know, right now what's on Tribble is in preliminary, and we really should keep our eyes peeled on the blogs that are published on uh, StarTrekOnline.com on the home page, which is now ARC. Watch the blogs and watch the release notes, the Tribble notes, because uh, there's a lot of changes coming to the system on a regular basis. You'll just keep seeing this evolve. It's, uh, keep in mind, when you're on Tribble and looking at this stuff, Take your gamer hat off and put your tester hat on. And they're very different, right? I don't expect stuff on Tribble like this to be, uh, to be at the quality that I want, expect a gamer to enjoy. I expect people, I expect testers and developers to enjoy it and understand that this is how the sausage is made. This is how, when you're working in the game development studio, how early something comes online. And that, wow, okay, we need this, we need this, we need this. And let's not worry too much about the tuning of the system right now. Because tuning is easy once you got all the functionality working. Right now, we're still working on the functionality. So, Well, Al, before we let you go, I do want to thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One and for having the team sign all the awesome items, for being able to support the Indiegogo in the way that you have. Uh, you know, Without support like yours, we wouldn't be where we are today. So thank you so very much for that. Uh, yes, on behalf of the team, I, you're, you're very welcome. It was certainly our pleasure. It was a no-brainer. And very happy to support you in that matter and uh, and to continue to come on the show to support the game together. We'll see you at Vegas, hopefully. There will be lots of cryptic people there at the very least, including myself and some other people you saw last year will probably be there as well. Maybe some new faces, too. 
Well, hopefully we'll see you at Vegas. Yes, that is true. Yes. That is true. Well, let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. All right, captains, we're at that part of the show where we opened hailing frequencies and received your incoming messages from episode 178. Our community question was, is the Voth Bulwark worth it for you? Cookie, take it away. Well, on PriorityOnePodcast.com, Aqua Shusen writes, As for the Voth Dreadnought, it seems like a good ship and I want the torpedo, but the chances to get one are ridiculous, so I doubt I will be getting one for a long, long while. LOL. Sounds about right. Adam Lejeune commented via PriorityOnePodcast.com, The Voth Bulwark, in my opinion, is not worth it. She's probably a fine vessel, but I am currently dedicated to my beloved fleet Avenger, which I grinded for weeks to make into a lean, mean, fluidic, anti-proton, dual-heavy cannon-wielding Borg Undine, give them a taste of their own fluidic anti-proton medicine killing machine, and therefore command almost exclusively. Wow. That was just... I knew you could do it, just. V Silver Wings 1 commented on the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode. Lucky to get one, I think, for $420 million in the last event before people caught on to its usefulness as a tank and its toys. I had the means to buy it without going broke, but would I get another? Heck no! Prices struggle to go below $410 million, and now that people have caught on how exclusive it is, it's being used as an extortionate item like the bug ship, which is so expensive, it's not even on the exchange. It stopped becoming a ship to use and more a share asset to make a profit, but only if there's someone out there with the funds to fuel it, either with EC or other assets like keys. This is similar to what Induperator wrote on the Star Trek Online forum post for the episode. The Bulwark? Certainly not. Too expensive. It costs hundreds of millions of EC on the exchange. I mean, if I were to come across it and, you know, open a key and get it, yay, I got it. But I probably would not go out of my way to purchase a ship. I would buy the Temporal Destroyer before I buy the ship. Then again, that torpedo, that torpedo's pretty mean. Okay, Shemrockski writes via PriorityOnePodcast.com. Yes, yes, yes! I have long considered the Bulwark to be too expensive for my taste. Then I listened to this episode and OMG. I want it. The 180 degree arc is sick. I already have the Regent Torpedo and need this one too. So it is now my mission. The only question is which tune? Arg! So we got a convert there. Good luck, Shem. On the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode, Gray Fox James writes, I'm so happy that I only fly Federation ships. I can't seem to get myself to fly anything else. I'm Federation first and want the immersion. For me, my Audi has been my only ship for over a year. Love that bridge. However, I am a huge fan of 180 degree torps and we'll have to check in on this one. I thought there was only one 180 degree torp in the game. But consider what Gametzel wrote on PriorityOnePodcast.com. The low-buy store rapid-fire missile launcher has a 180-degree arc and benefits from torpedo bridge officer skills. Good point. I had forgotten about the rapid-fire missile launcher. I think we all did. Yeah, we all did. Yeah. I might even have that on some character. I do. It's it's kind of an okay weapon. It's a dud weapon, isn't it? Isn't it kind of duddy? It's okay. It's it's enhanced by... Um, oh, no. See, that's the one. That's the one I always confuse with the actual um, Ferengi ship. 
because there's a console, the Battle Module 3000, on the Ferengi ship that when you hit a button, it fires like, I don't know, 20 missiles. It, it, it's almost like a Torp Spread 3 for missiles. But that's not connected with the Lobi weapon. That's, that's part of the ship uh, console, lockbox ship console. Is the missile launcher boosted by tactical consoles? That might be the drawback of it, I forget. I do remember it's, it's a weird damage type, which kind of works to your advantage, too. Because it's, it's not kinetic, it's physical damage, if I remember correctly. Which there's really no, no dedicated consoles for. You'd have to have uh, uh, Neutronium, which is all damage resistance, to protect against it. Well, Captains, we also got some feedback in regards to our new hit single, Ode to Taco Fangs that our very own audio engineer, Skiffy, produced. We heard from the man of the hour, Taco Fangs, who tweeted, LOL what? By the way, my trollololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololol
I do miss having two Horgon hunts and two dance parties per hour because the other stuff rewards so few favors. Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, Captains, each week our social media channels are busy with your thoughts, opinions, and suggestions for the show. So please keep them coming. Reach out to us on Facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast or follow us on Twitter at STO Priority One. You can also shoot us an email to incoming at Priority One Podcast.com. And we remind you that this week's community question is what is your thought on the first wave of updates coming to the crafting system? Have you gone on Tribble? Have you tested it out yourself? What changes would you like to see happen? Again, it is in its preliminary stages on Tribble, but constructive criticism is always welcome so be sure to let us know via incoming at priority1podcast.com or on the other channels well that wraps up episode 179 of priority one podcast recorded live on trek radio starting at around 10 30 p.m eastern time 7 30 p.m pacific time and you can subscribe by pointing your podcast catcher at feeds.priority1podcast.com Captains, you know we love hearing from you. So let us know what you think of the show and submit your responses to this week's community question in the comment section on our site or on the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode. Remember, this week's question is, have you had the opportunity of jumping on Tribble and testing out the preliminary stages of the changes to the crafting system? What are your thoughts? What changes would you like to see happen? Remember, constructive criticism. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media websites. Head over to Facebook.com slash Priority One Podcast and give us a like. Or check us out on Twitter via at STO Priority One. You can even join the Priority One Podcast chat in-game. Just type forward slash channel underscore join space Priority One. Captains, we want to thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One Podcast. You can continue to support Priority One with real-world donations by helping us reach our monthly financial goals. We are all volunteers, and we could use your help with purchasing new equipment, hosting fees, or to alleviate travel expenses as we cover conventions on location. We'd love to see you at the Star Trek Las Vegas convention. A very special thanks to everyone who has already contributed and continues to do so on a recurring basis. Without your ongoing support, we would not be able to bring you the content you've grown to enjoy from Priority One Podcast. And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at GuardFrequency.com. It's a pretty good show. You should check it out. The Priority One fleet is recruiting. If you're interested in joining, just shoot us an email with your ad handle and we'll be sure to send you an invite. The email is incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. A special thanks to our guests, Star Trek Comics creator Mark Farinas. And Star Trek Online's lead designer, Al Captain Gecko Rivera. Uh, shout out to Farktoid for taking the time out in-game in the Reddit chat channel to answer many questions about the crafting system and upcoming updates to the game. I got a few of my questions answered, and we appreciated the time. Thanks to the entire team behind Priority One Podcast, including our audio engineer, Skiffy, audio assistant, Ben Churchill, QA consultant, and audio assistant, Midnight Shadow 7. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Epic Gamer Radio, Subspace Radio, and Trek Radio. A special thanks to our sponsor, Sayulita.com, and new partner, Cosplay Sky. Visit Priority One Podcast forward slash Cosplay Sky. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek Online community, and our listeners. Without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. Engage.
Transfer complete. It's the first part of a two port. It's the. <laughs> well, captains, let's trek out a series of web comics with. <clears throat> well, captains. What was that weird noise? It sounded like a robot fart. <laughs> that was me giving him the raspberry. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, that I was. Just. <laughs> What? <laughs> Nothing. Sorry, Jace. Sorry. Yeah. I, uh, I was... <laughs> I don't know, you guys. Um, and I don't remember... I, I, I didn't count. I, re I really wasn't counting. It didn't bother... I didn't bother to count. Like, I didn't think to myself, God, how many are left of these? At any point did I think that. I did not. I did not. Did not think that. <laughs> did you think it? I did not. Okay. <laughs> Duty, duty, duty. I made you out of clay. Uh, they're still going to fall into three categories. Gases, metals, and particles. I've got gas. Oh, Not Vespian gas. Metals. You might have a very rare gas like Elijah. Then be sure to update your Tribble patch server. Or be sure to patch your twi- Twipple. <laughs> All I saw on the list of things that were available to me was uncommon, common, uncommon, common, 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 uncommon, random, common, common, random, uncommon. So Skippy's going to make a whole nother song. <laughs> that's going to be the new song. Yep. <laughs> Auto-tune. <laughs> also, there's a bonus mark event scheduled for June 26th through June 30th, 2014. So... Yeah. So what? <laughs> just cut it at just cut it at 2014. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not written down, and I just you know I'm not good at it. Well done. Well. <laughs> Lol. What? By the way, my trollololololololo tweet was in response. Okay. My trollololololololo. Oh, I just said. It's That's what it is. I think I started singing Cuban Pete. <laughs> yeah, he did. Okay. How is it? How's the song go? Oh man. Oh yeah. We love our grilled cheese. Cheese. Grilled cheese. Mines. The cheese is mines. We love our grilled cheese sandwiches, too. Good show, guys and cookie. You know, I'm from up north, so you can just say guys. It means everyone to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But yeah, those coffee mugs <laughs> are pretty awesome. Hey, guys. <laughs> hey, you guys. <laughs> I got a dog. Are you guys picking up the dog barking outside? No, now it's getting worse. I'm just going to close the window. So it's because it's going to get, it's going to start, he's going to start yapping up now. Just, just a moment. Just some guy Rivera. Surprise! It's not to the tune of Lame Is something in Lame Is. Okay. All right, I'm back.
you, ha- you want me to do a character voice? I never really liked my voice. I think my voice is that, uh, I think would think think it'd be good enough quality. I think it would be I'd probably do terrible at it because I'd be reading a script and it would just be sound awful. But uh, but even that, uh, I don't know. What kind of character would I would I, what what do I sound like? What race do I sound like? Bajoran. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, man. 